That's like a very it. good idea. Yeah. All right. On your mark. It's set. Welcome to the Half Yard Line. I'm Tim. I am Luke. And this is the next in our series of division by division, round the horn, free agency coverage. The first period of free agency, the first segment of free agency. The first leg. Behind us, we are first leg. Sure, I'll take that. Uh, Behind us, we are through the legal tampering period. We're signing real players to real contracts for real teams. They are packing their bags. They are relocating their families to the new destinations. Uh, today we are talking about the AFC East, but before we dive into that, please do check us out on the socials at Half Yard Line Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Half Yard Line Pod at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, rate, review, follow, all those fun things. Tell somebody about the Half Yard Line Podcast this week if you like what we're doing. Um, that would help us out a lot. We'd love to build this thing if it's going to be a thing um, and appreciate your uh, participation and being part of that process. Just before we jump into this, because you, you mentioned about players packing their bags, moving their families. I feel like that's the most underappreciated part of free agency, right? Like we, you know, everyone who has a job, you know, is familiar with the concept of people relocating. It tends to be a little bit more, you know, voluntary. I think what's funny with the NFL is we go, oh, I cannot believe this guy's gone to the, I don't know, Browns. Not shit on the Browns, but let's just say it. Imagine if someone said to you, we've got a choice. You can make more money and go live in Cleveland or you can make slightly less money and go live in LA. I mean, uh, what would you do? Right? It's it's an interesting dynamic as part it of this. It is an interesting cuz I always think my personality, I would much rather live in a lower cost of living town and make more money yeah. than live in the cool place to live and, you know, be broke. Yeah, I always just find it funny, right? Like people, we always talk about it in the NFL terms like why would you go sign for these guys? Look at Jimmy G, we'll talk about the AFC West another time, but like he's just going, yeah, I'll just stay living somewhere fun. You know, whatever. It's like when he didn't leave San Francisco last year, they're like, we could cut you, you know? And he's like, nah, you can just pay me less. I'll just stay here. I like it. I'll just stay here. I'd rather. I'd rather stay. <laughs> I've got a house. San Francisco's I'm, a fun town. Yeah. I want to move my family. I just find that funny. But anyway, to uh, to move on to more pressing matters, Tim, the AFC East, as you mentioned. Um, what a an, racket an, of a division this is. An right interesting, now. yeah, it's, it's been an up and down, crazy sort of period largely because of the jets but i feel like the last couple of years it's it's almost been flipped on its head we're so used to the patriots just running the ruling the roost destroying everyone they're on the back they're on the back side of that it seems right now the bills are now the powerhouse of the division the dolphins are coming the jets might be getting aaron Rodgers. the patriots are struggling so it's it's been a weird upset of the old apple cart in the afc the last couple of years i think um, why don't we start with those jets uh tim i don't know if you know they're interested in signing aaron Rodgers. That's come up, I think, once or twice in the mainstream media uh, coverage. I am so done with this. So for those that may not know, both Luke and I live in the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Um, What? I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm just tired of hearing about it. Yeah, I'm very much over this already. Yeah, Pat McAfee show and says, hey, I want to play in New York. I've wanted to play in New York for a while. It's these stupid teams. You can't agree what I'm worth. And it's an absolutely impossible situation. So if you're in New York, you're sitting there going, he doesn't want to play for you. You don't want him to play for you. Why would I pay you two first-round picks or whatever it is that the rumors have been going around that they're asking for? And you've got Green Bay going, well, guess what? He can play for us or he can play for nobody, but he ain't playing for you unless you pay for us what you want or what we want. 
And there's this stalemate. It doesn't really matter for either team except, oh, everything. You can't build a team in either <laughs> right. place until you know what's going to happen here. Yeah. Everybody's like, well, they'll figure it out before this, before training camp. Well, sure, they'll figure it out before training, training camp. camp what about is... the rest of the roster? Yeah, what about week one? Can we get it sorted before week one? I mean. I, you're just sitting here. And it's, it's, is Aaron Rodgers really going to revamp the Jets? I mean. Brett Favre went there 20 years ago or whatever it was, and that didn't work out great for the Jets. He was there for one year and ended up in Minnesota. Is he really going to come? And listen, the Jets have a lot of young talent. Every time I talk to a Jets fan, and I am not a Jets fan. I have lots of friends who are Jets fans. Every time I talk to a Jets fan, they're like, oh, it's going to be great. We got all this young core. They're strong. The offensive line's getting better. Roger's back there. He's going to make good decisions. He's going to throw it to Garrett Wilson. He's going to hand it off. It's going to be great. We got the offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Team's on the up and up. Started great last year. Had some injuries. He's going to come back, add Rodgers to it. We're going to win the Super Bowl. No, you're not. Because it's the minute Aaron Rodgers walks in the door, everything your team does is now about Aaron Rodgers. And that's been the case. The reason Green Bay is willing to let this two-time in the last three-year MVP walk out the door is because he's so obnoxious to have on the roster, they don't want to bother anymore. And so he's he's not going to come in and be a great teammate for Garrett Wilson. I mean, this is the guy who has notoriously turned off wide receivers because if he throws the ball to them and they don't catch it, he won't throw it to them again. Like, th- that is not how you build confidence in a young team. This team would be far better off, would be far better off with anybody else. At quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. Go get Derek Carr. Oh, wait, sorry, you missed out on him. Go get, I mean, th- th- there are teams who would trade you a quarterback. Why didn't you sign Jimmy G? There are so many guys out there who could have come back and help lead what is a growing team to a, a successful outcome. None of them have the initials AR. I'm sorry, I just, I can't with the Aaron Rodgers thing. I don't know if you see it different. Yeah, I, I mean, no, you certainly um, hit your feelings on that quite well, Tim. I'm not sure people will be able to divine exactly your, your meaning in that, uh, in that discussion. But yeah, I mean, the thing for the Jets is it's it's a win-now move. That's that's the play, right? You bring in Aaron Rodgers, you think we got one to two years to try and bring in a Super Bowl. If that doesn't work, then we're kind of yes, back, because back to square one. Yes, because a stable of cheap, young rookie talent says win this year yeah. and then blow so, it up like... I mean, so what are we I, talking about? I think the interesting part of it on the Packers side, we'll talk about in the AFC North thing if, if he's not been traded by then, is like the Packers aren't in a great situation either because, yeah, they can say, well, we, we'll just keep him. It's like, are you going to be paying Aaron Rodgers like $50, 60000000 million to not play for you? I can't really see that happening either. So it's certainly uh, an interesting dynamic and that defines the Jets offseason, of course, as far as what else, else they've done. Well, they've signed Alan Lazard, the surely the uh, the canary in the coal mine for signing Aaron Rodgers, um, bringing him in on a four-year, forty-four million-dollar contract. Which is, I've got to be honest, that makes no sense to me at all. Apart from you want Aaron wait Rogers. till they bring in Randall Cobb, yeah, Mercedes Lewis, um, Jordy Nelson is available, maybe. But uh, yeah, the Jets offseason defined by Aaron Rodgers, uh, the free agency period. Lazard, I think that's a big overpay. It's a position that they've got talent at already i'm not really sure what the the logic is there he's a good player he's not a great player they brought back solomon thomas brought back quincy williams who's an excellent player at linebacker from your uh alum your uh alma mater is the word i was looking for there tim murray state um Woo-hoo! so a very good player i i like him a lot brought him back they lost mike white lost braxton berrios lost sheldon rankins lost some other guys so you know really this is all about aaron Rodgers. i think the jets you know, team construction, as you mentioned, is kind of almost on pause while they wait for this to resolve itself. It seems like they're moving ahead on the presumption of Aaron Rodgers coming in. But if that doesn't end up happening, they are going to be at a real real pickle um, because obviously 
the quarterback is quite an important position. So the Jets, um, still limbo right now, I think it's fair to say. Last point on the Jets. This is the same team that was like six and two with Zach Wilson and Mike White playing quarterback before they had injuries. Maybe quarterback isn't the most important thing in that locker room. No, they've got, they've got they've certainly got a good team. I think adding a good quarterback would go a long way. To your point, they better served having a lower uh, drama guy like Eric Carr, Ryan Tannehill, whatever in that position Can than Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. Maybe so, but uh, we, it seems like we're going to find out at some point between now and week one when he's playing for Gang Green. The Go team, Eli Manning. The, te- <laughs> the team that used to rule the roost in the division was the Patriots. Continuing this sort of strange team-building exercise, really, in the post-Tom Brady era, if you look at the guys that they've brought in, a lot of names you recognize, uh, a couple of guys from the same division in Gesicki and James Robinson. I feel like with the Patriots, their approach has been always kind of to zag where everyone zigs. You know, they were early on to the, you know, the uh, the resumption of the running game being important and investing in the offensive line. They were probably a year or two ahead of the game on that. That's now a much bigger part of most offenses. Um, they seem to be sticking to that formula. A lot of very Belichickian will bring in a guy for one or two years on a cheaper deal type things. They tried this big splurge on the two tight ends, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. That didn't pan out. So that was a kind of different approach. Maybe they're going back to the the Bill Belichick norm, Tim. I don't know if anything jumps out to you from this class of new Patriots, um, most of which I think are kind of in that solid player mold. The do-your-job guys that Belichick is probably going to like. You know, the this is going to hark back into my fantasy days again. When you're a fantasy player and you pull up your email, and you see that someone has made a trade, and you find that trade just to be obnoxious. You're like, what? why would you let that guy? And it's always with that guy, you know, the, the guy who sends out the obnoxious trade and just to see if somebody will accept one. And you're like, what? Why would you let that guy? We can't let that guy do that. And so who let the Patriots out of this Johnny Smith contract? I will never... I. I Arthur oh, Smith, I just, the, t- Titan South rolls letting, on down there the in The Falcons letting him out of this deal, and by letting him out of the deal, I mean obviously the Falcons traded for John U. Smith from the Patriots, and they didn't pay a ton for him, but they let New England out of that contract. They use that money, and they're able to go sign Mike Gesicki. And I'm sitting here going, why did we let Bill Belichick trade John U. Smith and his nothing for ultimately Mike Gesicki? Why, why could Arthur Smith not go sign Mike Gesicki? Like, I, what, what are we doing here, folks? I, that one to me, was very frustrating. So certainly if you're a Patriots fan, that's a big win. I don't really get the Jacoby Myers for Juju Schuster split. I think they're similar talents. They're the same age. The contract, I mean, Juju's a little bit cheaper, I guess. It's almost but identical, what you saw, Yeah, what you saw last year in Kansas City from Juju that made you think, yeah, let's sign him for three years. I'm not sure. And he's guaranteed, really, for two, um, if, based on the way the contract's written. Jacoby Myers certainly was not lighting it up, and I can see New England saying we're ready to move on for him. I you know, we talked about the wide receiver market's just not very deep this year, and you sign the guys that are available to sign, I suppose. Um, you did see in New England what we haven't seen in some of the other teams, which is prioritizing keeping some of the – I won't even necessarily say key, but starting players in your defensive secondary. So Jonathan Jones, Jabril Peppers both getting um, extensions. I thought that was smart, perhaps, is how I would suggest that. I would li- – only Bill Belichick. Only Bill Belichick re-signs in the first week of free agency his long snapper. So, yeah. well done. <laughs> for uh, four Bill years. Belichick. 
for, for bringing back your long snapper, prioritizing the key positions in football. Uh, if you've not seen it, Bill Belichick was asked a question about specialty players and, and whether or not it's a smart thing to do to waste a roster spot on something like a long snapper. Surely someone else on the team could snap the ball to the punter uh, and the and the kicker or the, the holder, I suppose you said. And he went in a 15-minute diatribe. About it was great. Evolution of specialty positions. spectacular. Go listen to it if you have Brilliant. Loved it. Um, but yeah, so New England clearly in that we don't blow it up mode right this is a franchise very proud franchise been good now for decades um not trying to start over not trying to blow it up trying to add key pieces here and there where they can get better this year than they were last year um belichick's got tons of evidence that says he can do this last couple years not been as good but we're going back to the same well right this is not a team who's throwing it out this is not a team who's starting over this is not a team who's changing the method you know, Bel- old dog, new tricks, that whole deal, right? Belichick's doing what Belichick's always done, and he's going to keep doing what he's always done until such a time as, um, you know, he finds a reason to do something different. So, yeah, I, I think I that's think fair. The, the Patriots are just doing what they've always done. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, one last uh, note on the Patriots before we move on that I thought was interesting. You mentioned the Jabril Peppers resigning, the Jonathan Jones resigning. Devin McCourty retired finally after a long, long stint in New England, winning a million Super Bowls. So I think. That is uh, obviously a lost all hope Peppers can step into. They've made a big play for these like positionless defensive back linebacker hybrid type guys. Um, yeah. And that's become more of a trend in the league. Mentioned that Belichick tends to be slightly ahead of the curve on this kind of stuff. I mean, Adrian Phillips does this. Well, people just do what he did. Yeah, last Kyle year, right? Duggar's <laughs> doing it. Jabril Peppers, I think when he came out of Michigan, people may remember he was returning punts. He was playing yep. defense. He was playing some offensive snaps. He was a kind of do-it-all guy. Almost a little bit before his time, I felt like if he was coming out now, maybe that would be a bit more high value than it was when he got drafted by the uh, the Browns, I believe it was at the end of the first round. Um, so I think that's a very Belichick kind of player. Jonathan Jones, the other one you mentioned, this is bringing back Bill's guys. You know, he likes doing that. I think what's interesting, if you look at the makeup, the physical makeup of their cornerbacks, they're on the shorter side. Everyone's gone to these like long 6'1", 6'2", guys because receivers are such good athletes. Belichick, as ever, doing the opposite. So you've got guys like Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones and I think Marcus Jones as well. Too many Joneses. But, all um, the Joneses. But they're all on the smaller side. So he's probably saying, hey, I can pay these guys less money because they're smaller. So there's not the demand for the 6'2", corner, the Jalen Ramsey body type uh, but I can get really good players at cheaper rates stop me if you've heard that one before and they can jump high yeah so interesting to see what the Patriots do going forward in the McCorkle era the McCorkle Jones the other Jones so many the other Jones, Jones yes. on the Patriots uh, yeah so that's that's enough on the boys from Boston uh, I'm sure they'll win you know six to ten games again next year because they're never going to win less than that but with the roster they have I can't really see them yeah six would be Looking, not good but yes a little farther south uh, to a city I just visited recently, actually, Miami. Uh, first time in Miami. Loved it, by the way. Big fan of Miami. If you're not been, fan, I, I recommend you I, go. I've been to Miami, and I didn't like it. So we can talk about that another time. Take take your money and be in, in, intend to leave it behind, and you'll do just fine. Um, Miami picking up a back quarterback from within the division, Mike White. Uh, only bring that up because clearly Tua spent much of this year on the injured reserve list, not injured reserve list, injured list. Um, he's had injury issues since his senior year in college. These ones were obviously head injury related, so scary in that way. Clearly looking for a solid backup who's going to come in and be able to win you some games in the event that Tua uh, misses some time. Otherwise, re-signed everybody, basically. I mean, you look down a lot of these free agency lists and you see 
you know, two teams in the from and two bucket, but all of these are from and two, not all of them, many of them are from and to Miami, really prioritize bringing back, running it back, um, sticking with the, the guys they've had that have been working. Um, you know, you talk about the entire running back room, right? Jeff Wilson Jr., Raheem Mostert, both got re-signed. Miles Gaskin got re-signed. Uh, so keeping the running back room together. The big player they lost um, was Mike Kosicki. They replaced him with Eric Saubert from Denver. Obviously, that's a big downgrade from a talent perspective, from a cost perspective. It's a cost savings. Um, plowed some of those cost savings into picking up, um, you know, the the Braxton Berrios is the Mike Whites, right? That those were positions that not necessarily big names, but cost you some cash. So, I mean, I think the long and short of it for Miami is we really liked what we had going last year before Tua got hurt. We'd like to get that going again. Can we just run it back? Um, keep as many of our guys together as we can. Fill in around the edges where we lose somebody. The Landon Roberts of the world, the Mike Kosicki's of the world. Where, where can we plug those little holes and move forward? I, how successful do you think they were in doing that, Luke? Do you think they've got um, – a, a are they in a position to run back what they had last year or are they going to be sadly disappointed? Yeah, I think running it back makes a lot of sense, right? We spoke in the Dolphins uh, team off-season preview podcast that we did. If you haven't listened to all of those, please do check them out. One for all 32 teams out there to be uh, listened to and enjoyed. We talked about prioritizing backup quarterback for the Dolphins for obvious reasons. We spoke about guys like Minshew maybe being a fit, but I, Mike White has come in for the Jets in the last few years, had some incredible games in spot duty, almost like a kind of new Fitzpatrick is kind of how I thought of him. Like yeah. he'll come in and have some, he threw for 400 yards and then you have some games where he comes in and throws three picks. So, you know, a capable backup, a young backup, maybe even a guy if Tua really continues to struggle with injury, maybe they could even look to him as the next guy. Who knows? To be the, the guy. The only yeah. interesting thing with this that I always think is funny is he's right-handed and Tua's left-handed. So you have to flip the entire offense, which is always an interesting thing. There aren't that many left-handed quarterbacks, so I'm not saying they could go and get a left-handed backup, but I always find that an interesting, weird dynamic. that you have. To, it's a strange dynamic, but like I say, that I, don't, I can't even think of another left-handed quarterback they could bring in as a backup for Tua. So it's just something you have to live with. Um, but that was an interesting one. You're right. Bring it back, run it back. The the additions that they've made, Kasiki kind of got phased out of the offense. So I'm not surprised by that. Berrios maybe is a, a third option in the slot slash pump return guy. It gives you some give you some production. The big additions really were on defense. David Long, who came in from my Titans, two years, eleven million dollars. That is a bargain. He is a fantastic player. When he's been on the field, PFF will tell you he's one of the best linebackers in football. The issue with him has been injuries. Last two years, stop me if you've heard this one before. If you're a Titans fan, he's missed a lot of time with soft tissue problems so missed last five games of last year i think he missed six the year before that's really the only thing you can think of as far as why the titans wouldn't bring him back at such a cheap value but if he plays great signing for the dolphins and the big name that we haven't mentioned of course jalen ramsey so getting him for a third round pick is a huge move they've let byron jones go they've still got xavier howard um it's an it's another win now move he obviously played college football in florida so he's got some uh, some roots down there in the Sunshine State. And is it Sunshine State or is that California? What's Florida? Oh, right. Yeah. Florida Sunshine State. Um, and the, yeah, the, the move to bring in Ramsey says, we're running it back. We'll add some star power and let's hope we can get over the top while two is on the cheap deal. So I agree with you. Interesting uh, to see them make those moves, specifically the Ramsey one. You know, that's that's basically giving up 
a middling pick and a backup tight end who never played for one of the best for probably the best quarterback in the entire NFL. So a good deal for them. It was three and a half years ago. Jalen Ramsey was traded to the Rams for two, two firsts, right? Four. Yeah, he's an exceptionally yeah, and good you're player. Him up for a third. Now, obviously, he's four years older and all that. But it's this was the Rams trying very to interesting. get rid of the contract, right? That's what happened. And the Dolphins right. have said we'll pick it up, and it's. If and when we have to start paying two big bucks, then we'll we'll deal with that problem then. And, you know, the guys like him, Tyreek Hill, who they're paying the huge money to now, do they stick around? We'll wait and see. Um, but the Dolphins... You just think back to, though, if I could real quick on that trade, real real, real quick, and we're talking about the Dolphins here, but Ramsey is, is, is the connector here. Trading two first-round picks for a guy who was expiring and you were going to have to sign to a new contract, and then you have to sign him to a record contract to keep him in the room, and then three years later, you're sending him back out the door... For it costs you two first round picks, and I'm going to guess something like seventy five million dollars to have three years worth of Jalen Ramsey on your team. Won a Super Bowl. That's a well. I guess that's the cost. But that's an interesting team. You're paying the piper. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, it's like no. I I agree. I mean, the Rams would say it's the same with the Stafford trade. It's the same with you know bringing in Leonard Floyd, all the guys they brought in. Right. It was it was all win now, win right now, and we'll worry about the rest later. Buccaneers are going through that, so I'm sure all Rams fans would take it. Um. But the Dolphins trying to push all the chips in. Another team who are pretty much running things back and just trying to keep this window open is the Buffalo Bills. Not a very exciting offseason for them. The two big names are re-signs, really. Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer, both coming back. Both really good players in that defense for Sean McDermott. So I think very good for them. They continue to not... The real big name, though, is a loss, right? I mean, Tremaine Edmonds walking out the door from Buffalo to Chicago. I, I, I... we talk a lot about the transactions and how you know we, when we on here on the half of our line we want to bring you more than just recap of the news. Um, obviously, the Bills are good. I don't think that's headline news. They've been good. I, I feel like they're trending the wrong way, and and you certainly this free agency period is is part of that, right? You bring back Matt Milano, Jordan Poirier on a cheap deal. Frankly, I'm not sure exactly how they got that done. They bring in Connor McGovern, who's the big big quote-unquote signing at guard for yeah. seven million dollars a year let saffold go then, replace him with a younger guy yeah it's hard to really improve a team that is that was an afc favorite you know until the chiefs figure out how to play football again last year i, I feel like the window and i'm interested to get your take on this is almost closing for buffalo like there was this unique confluence of josh allen figured out how to be a good quarterback which almost never happens a guy who was accuracy challenged through college early nfl career all of a sudden figured out how to throw the ball where he was intending to throw it became this otherworldly talent pro bowl, you know, would be all pro Mahomes is another contract or another conference type player. Um, the team was good. The lot of cheap position players around those guys are all coming up for contracts and they're struggling to hold it together. And much like the Buccaneers, the last three or four years, it's like, just keep our guys, just keep our guys. We're so close. If we have these guys, we'll be fine. I wonder if there's a little bit of that standing still where everybody else is moving bit that's going to ultimately come back to bite the Bills, especially with a team like Miami in the division. New England's not going to be bad for long. The Jets are up and coming. You know, this is not six wins in the division guaranteed for the Bills anymore. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to see how they are going to adapt to that. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I think it's easy to have easier to have that view when you saw the postseason last year, right? The Bills get into the playoffs, sure. they get the Dolphins at home with a seventh round rookie starting. They labor to a win in that game. They then get another home game against Cincinnati who beat the brakes off them in a game which was completely one-sided. They got physically manhandled. It wasn't even close. It looked like a huge gap between the two teams. So definitely easy to see why you would 
assume, and I probably share that assumption that the bills are kind of trending down a little bit. Um, the, the two positions, this is not news, right? But the two positions that I feel like they have never addressed and are still not addressing right now is a secondary pass catching option and a running back who they can hang their hat on a little bit more than just being an undersized pass receiver, right? They didn't want to use Devin Singletary in that way. I think he's a very good back. He's not currently been re-signed by them, but I'm not sure what, what they'll be doing there. They brought in James Cook. They traded for Naheem Hines during the season. You know, I, I they keep bringing in the same type of player at that position. And it's like, maybe that's an indicator you need to bring in something different and not have Josh Allen be your running back one, which is basically what he is. And outside Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox is fine. He's a good player. They don't have a secondary threat who's credible, who can do some damage. If they'd signed up Jacoby Myers, right? I'll pick a, a, an AFC East receiver. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. I would go, that's a really good signing for the Bills. They don't need to bring in an alpha dog, 100 catch guy. They need a quality secondary option that lets Gabe Davis be the deep threat. Let Stephon Diggs be the number one. Let Dawson Knox do his thing. But it's a good second option in the offense. I feel like that's the problem with the Bills. And I feel like it's been the case, even when they were you know, almost making the Super Bowl, it's Allen and Diggs and stuff. And I feel like coming into this offseason, it was Allen and Diggs and stuff. And coming out of the free agency period and looking towards the draft, as it stands right now, it's still the same. So you rely too much on Josh Allen being Superman, and he's been Superman, and you still haven't got over the hump. Um, I feel like they're the two positions that I would be prioritizing if I was the Bills. And I'm in accordance with you on, or sorry, in agreement with you to say that I'm not sure that keeping this as it is, is the recipe for success, but that's kind of what they're doing. So the draft will be interesting for the Bills to see how they augment these pieces. But the AFC East, that'll do it for our whip round of the division. Please check out the rest of these podcasts, one per division, looking at all the free agency whys and wherefores. And if you haven't checked out the team by team off-season previews, please go back and do so. There's one for your favorite team and your least favorite and everyone in between. You can follow us on the socials at halfyardlinepod. You can email us halfyardlinepod at gmail.com. You can like, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice and spread the word. Very much appreciate everyone's listenership and helping us get the word out about the Half Yard Line. And I hope you guys are enjoying what we're bringing to you throughout this offseason. But for the AFC East, that'll do it. And we will catch you further on down the road. Bye-bye.